This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. perfect than I could have ever imagined, little one. I can hardly believe you're right here in my arms. I was shocked and so scared when the angel first told me about you. Then when I found out I was pregnant, I mean, I was shaken. Not just me, but your father, my parents, to everyone who even remotely knew how you came to be. But of course, not everybody knew. People thought that I was sneaking around with others, But even that wasn't the hardest part, having to hide and having to stay safe in the midst of everything going on, having to leave home and flee with your father. That was hard. Well, none of that matters now that I'm holding you in my arms. You're so special, little one, in more ways than any of us even know. What a moment. It's Christmas. It's the season for us to be together and to worship. We're dancing. And to dance on the platform. There Here we go. I want to give a big shout out to Elk River, Maple Grove, Spring Lake Park, those joining us today. Haven't the preschoolers like stolen the show today? I mean, what an amazing. They could do anything and there's these a paparazzi is going to show up and everybody's going to watch the paparazzi and the kids up on the platforms. We love kids here at Emmanuel and we're so excited about what God is doing in the life of the next generation. Each generation can invest in the next. I wanna encourage you to stay in the journey. We have an amazing kids team at Emmanuel as well. Would you give it up for all of our kids volunteers and all the people that spent time investing in them? Yeah. We've been talking about the faces of Christmas the last couple weeks as we're moving towards Christmas. And of course, next weekend is actually the weekend before Christmas. And I want to encourage you, we're going to have a petting zoo and stuff outside at each of our locations. And if you have kids that can come and maybe the adult sitting next to you can go and pet pet at the petting zoo as well. I don't know. Some of you are scared of doing that. Um, uh, We're going to have some festivities. We'll have a Christmas Eve service. But as we do the services, we're really focusing on the story of Jesus' birth. Christmas time isn't just a holiday. It's actually a story. And in that story, there are faces. And we've looked at the faces of the wise men in the story. We've looked at the faces of the shepherds in the story. And today we're gonna look at Mary. And I am so excited because my wife, Jody, is gonna bring the word. Would you give it up for Jody as she brings the message today? Thank you, Pastor Nate. Thanks for asking me to share. It's really been fun. Um, As you may not know or know, The Christmas story is told in two books of the Bible. It's told in uh, Luke, and when you read Luke 1 and 2, it's a lot from Mary's point of view, or it focuses on Mary. And then when you read it in Matthew 1 and 2, it focuses more on Joseph. And so when I had this opportunity to speak about Mary, I feel like I've read those chapters about 85 times. And so um, I think there's something special between a mother and a child, and I love Christmas, so I'm really excited to share with you today. All right, so our son, Jeffrey, who he is associate campus and youth pastor at Elk River, so give a shout out to Elk River and Maple Grove. Anyhow, he and his wife, Camry, 
are expecting their first child on November 30th. So if you look at your calendar, it is December 15th, and I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert, we are not grandparents yet, and so uh, you don't have to ask me, we're, we're, we're getting close, but we're not there yet. But anyhow, Jeff and his wife, Camry, are expecting their first baby November 30th. Now, this is our first grandchild, and it's also the first grandchild on her side of the family. So as you can guess, uh, we're just like, our life goes on hold, we're kind of anticipating things, we're delaying trips and vacations and all that going, when is this baby gonna come? And Pastor Nate had a trip scheduled in mid-November, and he was, had to go for one day to Missouri, and I'm like, you can't go. The baby's gonna be born, what if you miss it? And he's like, Jody, I can't stop living, you can't stop living just because the baby's coming. If the baby comes, I'll turn around and come back. I'm like, oh, Jesus, we have to work this out because if he misses this, I'm going to be pretty upset and I'm going to have to walk into some forgiveness. I just kept my mouth shut and they're still pregnant, so we're still waiting. And Camry's dad, Kevin, had a trip and she, you know, he's making a deal with Camry. Now, Camry, you can have the baby during this week. And so every time the phone would ring, we'd wonder, is this Jeff calling? Is she in labor? Is this it? And uh, one night, I was sitting at their house, and I was talking with Camry, and Jeff was at the youth group, and Camry, um, I'm like, are you having contractions? She's like, yeah. And pretty soon, she seemed pretty uncomfortable, and I'm like, I'm staying. I'm going to stay here. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. I might get to be a part of this labor. <laughs> then the contractions stopped. So then a few days later, Jeffrey is like talking, and Camry started getting contractions again, and uh, he, he's like, okay, I think this is it. So he went and got the baby seat installed in the car, and they're all excited, and the contraction stopped. And how many of you know that's just the way it goes, right? And so Camry's mom, Dawn, is a part of the delivery team, so she's going to be in the delivery room with Camry. And so she packed a bag, and some of you may look, well, what about you, Jody? Do you, aren't you going to? No, I am not going to be in the delivery room. And uh, Camry, I, I said, Camry, if you had asked me, I would have politely declined. So it kind of worked out good that you're not expecting me to be in there. Uh, I don't do good in those kind of emergency situations. I had four kids, but uh, I don't want to help someone else have their kids. So kudos to all of you. And good thing Nate does good in an emergency because if, our, if he wasn't around, our boys would be in big trouble because something goes on, I run for help, and he runs to help. So I'm better off on the other side of the door praying. So um, one time, Don and I are talking, and Don's like, Jody, I've got my bag packed. It's in the car. I'm ready to go on a moment's notice. And then the days passed, and then it's like a week passed. And Don's like, Jody, I took the bag out of my car. I had to repack it. Like, things were getting frozen and different things. And so I'd been there so long and uh, till two weeks overdue. So eventually, our hyper-alertness kind of wore down, and we just all began living life and still wondering about the phone calls and not wondering if he would be born, but if he'd be born today or when he'd be born. And sometimes as time passes, you just kind of not lose hope, but just go, I wonder when. Don't we all want some sort of predictability in our lives? Sometimes we have a general idea of what's going to happen in the future in our lives, but we don't know all the specifics. Predictability makes us feel safe and provides a sense of comfort. What do we do when life doesn't go the way that we hoped it would or thought it would, or if not in the timing we expected? 
The mundane can set in and we feel like things that the Lord promised will never happen. Do we get upset, fearful, or full of anxiety? Do we find ourselves doubting God or do we lose our hope? Today, the title of my message is Mary, the Mother of Jesus, Expect the Unexpected. And if you only get one thing out of this message today, is that, expect the unexpected. So God understands our limited capacity to understand the future. The Bible is full of prophecies about things to come. Now, prophecy is like a road sign, and it's a post that tells you what is up ahead. So think of a road sign on the road where you've got the curved line or the curved arrow saying, you know, road curves up ahead. We don't know all of the things that are coming on that curved road, but we do know that the direction is beginning to shift. So as we talk about the birth of Jesus, it's important to know that the Jewish people at this time were under Roman rule. They were hoping the Messiah would come and rescue them politically. Some were familiar with the prophecies in the Bible about the coming Messiah, others were not. Yet the Messiah's birth was hoped for, but probably not expected at that time. It had been so long. So today, we're going to be talking about Mary. So let's see if we can get her in here. Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm going to put her in the manger. So uh, Mary is remarkable. She is celebrated and honored, yet she is portrayed as human. This is perfect expression of the gospel. God choosing to show up in and through us despite our limitations and our imperfections. Mary is incredible inspiration to all of us. In her youthfulness and in her limitations, she was chosen by God to give birth to his one and only begotten son. The Bible says that she found favor with God. Can you imagine finding favor with God? Besides giving birth to the Savior, she helped raise him, she taught him, foundational values, basic skills, manners. She even changed his diapers. She freaked out when she lost him in the temple, not for five minutes, but for three days. Now, I don't know if any of you have lost a kid. I will admit, I did lose one. I lost Jeffrey, the one who's now, we know he's been found because he's going to be a father at the Mall of America. And so I can't imagine losing a kid for three days in the city. So Mary watched him grow, watched him develop and mature and to step into his life purpose. Mary was puzzled about him, probably upset at times, and saddened beyond words at his suffering. When it comes to Mary, she exemplifies the journey of humility, surrender, and dedication to the Lord more than anyone. The cool thing about Mary is she didn't have to do this all alone. The story begins with God sending an angel to Zechariah the priest who was married to Elizabeth. This is Mary's cousin. How many know that when an angel shows up, think we better pay attention, right? All right, look with me at Luke 1, starting in verse 13. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Now this is her cousin's husband. God has heard your prayer. We want God to hear our prayers, don't we? Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. I'm going to skip down. It says, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Now, this is the first New Testament prophecy about the coming Savior. So think about that road sign. I love it that God is involving Mary's cousin as a sign. 
The scripture goes on to say that Elizabeth miraculously conceives in her old age, that she would give birth to her son named John, and he would be a forerunner with Jesus. Now, the same angel who appeared to Zechariah visits Mary. Now, this is the second angelic visitation in this story. And this angel gives Mary a prophetic glimpse of the road curve ahead. So look at Luke 1, 26, or starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Wow. For you have found favor with God. Two important details. Mary was a virgin and she was engaged. Now some of you think about that in today's society. She was a virgin and she was engaged. So engagement was a betrothment period of about a year, which involved a financial obligation or agreement between families, and it could only be ended by divorce. Now, back then, um, time suggests that the Galilean couples were not left alone. They were always chaperoned. And after a year of this engagement time, they'd come together for a wedding night when the marriage would be consummated sexually. Another thing the, Lord had, the angel said is, the Lord is with you. And this is a divine announcement when an angel appears to you and says, the Lord is with you. It's telling the hearer that something big is going to happen and you're going to need God's strength. There's a difficult task ahead. And then favor, you found favor with God. Favor is finding a blessing or gaining approval, acceptance, or special benefits. Usually favor from God is due to righteous living or due to prayer from a community in response to a need. So the New International Version says she was highly favored. And this greeting is really unusual because Mary is young, she's a Galilean, she's a woman, and she didn't have a whole lot of money. So when the angel shows up and says all these things, no wonder Mary was a little bit disturbed and kind of afraid. So let's continue to read what the angel says to Mary next, in verse, starting in verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. How about that heavenly gender reveal party? The angel reveals the gender of John and of Jesus. And some, some of you, were you wondering if that was scriptural? It's right here in the Bible. God's words will come true. They'll never fail. And then verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived, she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of the Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And catch this verse, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Here's a few thoughts. Mary's not alone. So although this virgin birth is unique to her and her alone in all of the world, God is using her, bringing her um, cousin Elizabeth, who's experienced a miraculous pregnancy as well, in her old age, and the Bible says that their sons would work together. I thought it was interesting when the angel appeared to Zechariah, he said, your son will be great. And when the angel appeared to Mary, he said, your son will be very great. It's interesting. So after Elizabeth admonishes Mary, Mary sings a song of praise, and it starts in verse 46. Mary responded, Oh, my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Elizabeth's son John was born. So Mary acknowledges that God uses the lowly and the humble. Mary was courageous. Keep in mind, she hasn't seen how Joseph Joseph is going to respond to this unexpected pregnancy. So Mary found favor with God. And throughout scripture, God looked for people whom he could pour out his favor and whose hearts were bent toward him. Think about Moses in the Old Testament and Noah and David. These are just a few examples. Well, how can we prepare our heart and home for the Messiah? Number one, we need to submit to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Mary was submitted to the Lord even when she didn't understand. Here she's probably in the middle of planning a wedding and getting all excited and getting her guest list together and an angel appears to her and says something that is exciting but how is Joseph going to do this? And will this interrupt my plans? But she responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Submit means to yield oneself to authority or will of another. And in our lives, we need to submit to God. Number two, how can we prepare our hearts and home for the Messiah? We need to know the scripture. We need to know the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It was clear by her song that Mary was familiar with the scriptures, and she was aware of the promise of the Messiah to come. Not only did she know the scriptures, she believed it, and she believed that God would do what he said he would. The third thing to prepare our hearts in the home for the Messiah is we need to live righteously. 
Righteously is acting in a moral standing, um, a divine moral standing, and living uh, guilt-free and working to to get sin out of our lives. In other words, we need to repent. Mary was humble and she was pure. Hello, she was a virgin and she was engaged. Psalm 512 says, Surely the Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as a shield. Now, I didn't mention this earlier, but I want to mention it now. You know what the Bible said about Elizabeth and Zechariah? In Luke 1.6, it says this, Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Wow. So God puts her in a community with people who are also doing the same thing. Well, you can't talk about Mary without talking about Joseph. You know, you can't talk about me without talking about Nate. (laughs) All right. Such a handsome guy. All right, let's read in Matthew to learn how Joseph responded to the news of his fiancée's unexpected pregnancy. Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. Anybody catch that? Should we say that again? Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary your wife. Take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a son, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. For those of you here at Emmanuel, don't you just love that verse? You'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. So God places the only begotten son in a family. Joseph was chosen too. How was he prepared? How did he prepare his heart and his home for the Messiah? Well, just like Mary, he submitted to the Lord. So after considering breaking the engagement, he could have easily just said, you know what, Anak, this is kind of embarrassing. We're going to just quietly do away with this. The Lord speaks speaks to him in a dream. And so he has to wrestle and consider this, and he submitted to the Lord's will. In Matthew 1, 24, it says, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. What else did he do to prepare his heart and home? He was familiar with the scriptures, just like Mary. It was brought to his remembrance in a dream as the angel was speaking to him. The third thing is he lived righteously. Verse 19 says he's righteous. He too was sexually pure and he abstained until after the birth of Jesus. Now let's go back to Luke in chapter 2 to read about the birth of Jesus. Luke 2, starting in verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, 
David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And when they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now we gotta add Jesus to this story. Can't have Christmas without Jesus. Thank you. All right, sorry, Jesus. Tap your head. So now a fourth angel at visitation in this story when they appear to Jesus. Last week, Pastor Nate talked about the shepherds. And so the angels kind of, or the angels appeared, and it says this. In Luke 2, 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angelic, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Notice who has peace? Those on whom his favor rests. So after the angels announced to the shepherds, they went to go, the shepherds went to go see Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. So as we were talking to my son, we got a baby book for all my boys, and I don't know, some of you young moms, if you're doing baby books, just kind of let you know, the boys don't really care about them when they get older, but I care about it. So I'm like, Jeff, look, you know. And as I was paging through his baby book a couple weeks ago, I noticed there was 48 visitors that came to the hospital when he was born. And that was, Nate was a youth pastor at that time, so I kind of feel like I understand Mary when all the shepherds showed up and the angels singing, like there's quite a, quite a bit of commotion there. Yet all these shepherds coming was a confirmation to Mary that God was doing something. So then later in this chapter, eight days later, Mary and Joseph bring the baby to the temple, and the Bible says they do everything required. And while they're at the temple, Simon was there, he was a prophet, and he started talking to her about this is the Messiah, so it was another confirmation. And for the first time, he kind of lets her in on a secret, saying You're, it's going to pierce your side, like there's hard times coming. So when she originally said yes to the Messiah, it was like, he's going to be all these great things, and now she's realizing there's a prophetic curve, there's a curve in the road, this is going to get hard. And then Anna was there too, and she was encouraging people to praise the Lord for all those who were expecting him. Luke 2, 36, or 39 says, When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. I just want you to look at this picture and see family matters. God sent his only son into a family. Mary and Joseph are great examples for young parents living godly lives and prioritizing godly values and bringing their kids to church. Like, I am so excited for all the kids that are on the platform. I want to give a shout out to all the parents who are bringing their kids to church. It's really, it makes a difference. And in Matthew 2, when it's talking about, the story is talking about Joseph and the things that God was doing in him, it tells us two more times where he had angelic visits and God spoke to him about his family. You need to take the family, they're going to be in danger, you need to go to this city, you need to flee. And then, the, then he has another divine interaction where the angels tell him you can go back. So as parents, it's important to be listening to God for direction for your family. This is so amazing. The birth of Jesus was prophesied about before it ever happened. 
Those who were there and were ready and knew the scriptures recognized them, but not everybody did. So Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He worked miracles. He cast out demons. He preached to the multitudes. He ministered to the kids. He ministered to the sick, the poor. Then he died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again from the dead. He did this so we could be right with God. So after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And I want, to catch, I want you to catch this. An angel appears and gives another prophetic insight. Acts 1, 9. After saying this, he was taken up to a cloud while the, they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into the heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Jesus is coming again. Are you expecting the unexpected? Are you ready and expecting his return? When he's coming, he's not coming as a baby. He's coming as a king. He's coming in the clouds the same way we saw him leave. So I started this message telling you about the story of my son and his wife, Camry, and the birth of their, their baby, which is hopefully coming soon. We know it's coming. And remember my friend Don, Camry's mom, who had the bag packed, shook the bag out of her car, freshened it up, called her this week, and I said, Don, you have your bag packed? She said, yep, got it packed. I go, is it back in your car? It's back in my car. And we just start going back and forth. The baby's coming. The baby's going to come. The baby, it's not if he's coming, he is going to come. And as I prepared this message, I felt like the Lord wanted me to say to the church, pack your bag and get ready because Jesus is coming. And some, now praise the Lord, some of us, And what do I mean by that? We need to pack our spiritual bag. We need to prepare ourselves spiritually and be ready for the Lord's return in an instant like Don was. We need to submit to God and we need to know the scriptures and we need to live righteously. The Bible talks about when Jesus comes back, there are going to be some people left in the field and some people are going to be taken away. And, and I don't want to be the one that's left in the field. I'm just telling you that. We talked about fields last week. Don't leave me in the field. I'm going. <laughs> Jesus will come again and we need to be like Mary and believe God will do what he said he will do. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel. Is that angel in there? And with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from the graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage, these, encourage each other with these words. Now, as we were sitting in the waiting room going, okay, is the, the labor happening? What's going to go on here? We're all chatting with each other and going, the baby's going to come. And I feel like that's what the Lord wants to do here in the church. We really need to anticipate and believe God will do what he said. He said he's coming again. We don't know when. We know he will do it. It's not if, it's when. The Bible gives us clues about the end times. It says, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some are. In Hebrews 10, 25, 
Talks about that people will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power. That's 2 Timothy 3, 4. There'll be wars and rumors of wars in Matthew 24. It says it'll be like the days of Noah. People will be eating and drinking and giving in marriage and they'll not realize that the time of the Lord is here. There'll be diverse weather and pestilence and Matthew 24, Jesus compares the signs of the times to a woman in labor. The closer we get, the more contractions and the signs start happening. Matthew 24, 8 says this, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. In Ephesians 5, Paul compares Jesus and the church to a marriage. Christ is the head of the church and when he returns, he's looking for those who are submitted to him washed by the word and holy and righteous. A wedding of Christ in the church. Are we living like the bride he's looking for? If you're not familiar with the second coming of Jesus, the return of Christ, check out the article. If you're watching this on Facebook, we put a link in the comments. Otherwise, on your app here at Emmanuel in the message notes, there'll be a document that you can read about the rapture. And if you want to check out at the Connect Center, we've got a few printed copies at all of our campuses. What if we all lived expectantly for Jesus' return? We all have an opportunity to participate in the marriage of the Lamb when Jesus returns. So don't lose heart. The Bible is full of promises, but one thing that's not promised is tomorrow. We are not promised tomorrow, so we need to live and be ready today. Believe him. He's coming. So keep your spiritual bags packed and ready. 2 Timothy 4.8 And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Pastor Nate wants, and I want all of you ready for the coming of the Lord. So often, churches will talk about um, submitting to God or, you know, give your heart to the Lord, accept Jesus as your personal Savior, but... Really, we need to accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. So what are a few things that we can do to apply this message? Every time you see a nativity scene, think about Jesus coming again. And then look at Mary and Joseph and think about how they prepared their heart and their home for the return of Christ. And ask yourself, have I prepared my heart and my home for the return of Christ? Another thing we can do is submit our wills to God. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, you're going to have an opportunity to do that at the end of this service. Uh, Pastor Nate and I, you don't just wake up, Pastor Nate, you can come. Pastor Nate and I don't just wake up and become pastors overnight. There are times in our own life where we have to submit to God. And if there's not a time in your life where you've thought about it and say, you know what, I've submitted to God. I remember when I was in 10th grade and Pastor Nate's had these moments too where I gave my heart to the Lord. And then as a young adult, I'm like, kind of had to wrestle with that. Like, did I really mean that? Did I really mean I gave my heart to the Lord? And I remember praying and saying to the Lord, Lord, remember when I gave my heart to you in 10th grade? I really meant it. And it's not easy to always submit our will to the Lord, but that's the only way it's going to be. Are we going to be like Mary and submit our will to God? So if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I would really encourage you to take that opportunity today. Another thing, we can read the Bible and know the scripture. The prayer teams have free Bibles that you can get if you don't have a Bible. There's apps that you can download. 
I know after the first of the year, we're going to have a whole Bible reading challenge, so I'd encourage you to jump in on that. And then the last thing, you can live righteously. So read the Bible, and then do what it says. Emmanuel, we want all of us to grow together spiritually. I think it was really cool how God put Mary and Joseph in a community where they had Zechariah and Elizabeth to encourage them, and they're all living righteously. So I'd encourage you to get into a community and, and live righteously. And if you're confused and don't know what your next step is, jump into Growth Track here at Emmanuel. We would love to help you find that next place. Pastor Nate. Isn't that good? It's a good word today. Feel it, right? There's many different styles of communication. So you'll hear the the inspirational yelling kind of thing, which is me. And, uh, and by the way, I don't, I don't, I'm not like preaching at home, and she doesn't call me Pastor Nate at home. <laughs> In this context, but one of the things that I do know is is that when Jesus would speak, he would speak in such a way as the hungry would hear it. Those that were really searching for truth would hear it. And I just believe that this morning, as the word was preached and Jody talked about the birth of Jesus, there was something stirring in you. And then when she talked about the return of Jesus, because you were hungry, you heard it. Because you're thirsty, there's something in it that said, I need to listen to this. You might have felt a quickening in your spirit as though, whoa, wait a second, I need to wake up. I've been, been living in light of Jesus' return and I need to. If you're a follower of Jesus, we need to be reminded. We need to always have our backs packed, amen? We need to be ready and we need to filter our life through the lens of Jesus is coming back. It's how we're to live, to give everything, to think that way, to not be caught up in just the temporary, but to understand that his return is coming and it's near. Those of us in here today in each of our campuses in Elk River, Maple Grove, and here in Spring Lake Park, I know this, that as God is speaking, there's a moment when it's not about the preacher and it's not about the style of communication, it's not about rating the illustrations or whether or not the nativity scene was culturally relevant or not, which we did work on that a little bit. But really, it becomes more about you and God. Because that's what this is all about. It's really about you and God. And the truth is that Jesus didn't just come to the earth to have a great, nice story at a certain time of year that we would replicate. He came to save the people from their sins. Sin is raging and ruling and controlling and beating people up and lying to their minds in the middle of the night, thinking that they're worthless. And yet at the same time, Jesus steps in and says, you're so worth it, I will go to the cross for you. See, really today is the good news that Jesus is here. He loves you. He hasn't given up on you. You need to surrender to him. To let him be your Lord and Savior. To allow him to be the God of the universe. That's not something that is controlling and stifling. He's not a big God up in heaven with a bat that wants to beat you over the head. No, really, it's a loving Father that knows what's best for you. You can trust him. He loves you. Even whatever's happened in your story, I want you to not forget this. 
that he loves you so much that he died for your sin, yours. Would you close your eyes today on each of our campuses? Wherever you are, just for a moment in a private space where you are, as you look at your own heart and you feel the supernatural in this place, something in you that is eternal recognizes the eternal. The eternal word of God was just preached. And the part of you that is eternal recognized is that word. Now God is speaking to you. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, then hear the word today and allow it to sink in and both encourage you and challenge you. Sit up straight and to be ready to anticipate Christ's return, to live righteously and to allow the Spirit to work inside of you, to become more and more like His Son, to allow the Word of God to transform your life. If you're here today and you have yet to follow Jesus or maybe you did a long time ago and you walked away from Him, the message of the cross is here for you today. That Jesus came to the earth sinless as a baby, lived a sinless life, and then died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead to send the message back to you. He's returning, and he wants you to be with all those that he calls by name. And if you're here today, you need to give your life to Jesus, or you need to come back to him, I want to pray with you. You just put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Nate. I need to come back to him, or I need to come to him for, yes, 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 yes. Dozens of hands, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I see that, yes. If I didn't see your hand, you can keep it up in the air, but I, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you mean it in your heart, and you pray it out, I just believe Jesus is going to hear your voice right now, and it's good news. And I want to lead you in a prayer. I'll give you the words to pray, but mean it from inside. And Everybody else, you can join right in. Just pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth, died on the cross for my sin, and then you rose from the dead. You're alive. Today, I surrender. I give up trying to run my own life. And I ask you to take the wheel to lead me for the rest of my life and make me new in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise in the house. Amen, amen, amen. You prayed that prayer? I would love, Jody and I would love for you to stay in the journey of following Jesus. And if you could just take your phone out right now, and if you just prayed that prayer, just text the word Emmanuel to 313131. We'll send you a quick link to some resources of what it means to follow Jesus. We're so excited. We want you to stay on the journey. One more time, would you give it up for all those that just gave their life to Jesus? Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. 
please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time 